Judges chapter 3. Now these are the nations which Yahweh left to test Israel by them, even as many as had not known all the wars of Canaan, only that the generations of the children of Israel might know to teach them war, at least those who knew nothing of it before. The five lords of the Philistines, all the Canaanites, the Sidonians, and the Hivites who lived on Mount Lebanon, from Mount Baal-Hermon to the entrance of Hamath, they were left to test Israel by them, to know whether they would listen to Yahweh's commandments, which he commanded their fathers by Moses. The children of Israel lived among the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. They took their daughters to be their wives, and gave their own daughters to their sons, and served their gods. The children of Israel did that which was evil in Yahweh's sight, and forgot Yahweh their God, and served the Baals and the Ashtoreth. Therefore Yahweh's anger burned against Israel, and he sold them into the hand of Koshan, Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia. And the children of Israel served Koshan, Rishathaim, eight years. When the children of Israel cried to Yahweh, Yahweh raised up a saviour to the children of Israel who saved them, even Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. Yahweh's spirit came on him, and he judged Israel, and he went out to war. And Yahweh delivered Cushan Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia, into his hand. His hand prevailed against Cushan Rishathaim, and the land had rest for forty years, and then Othniel, the son of Kenaz, died. The children of Israel again did that which was evil in Yahweh's sight, and Yahweh strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab, against Israel, because they had done that which was evil in Yahweh's sight. He gathered the children of Ammon and Amalek to himself, and he went and struck Israel, and they possessed the city of palm trees. The children of Israel served Eglon, the king of Moab, eighteen years. But when the king of Israel cried to Yahweh, Yahweh raised up a saviour for them, Ehud the son of Gerar, the Benjaminite, a left-handed man. The children of Israel sent tribute by him to Eglon, the king of Moab. Ehud made himself a sword which had two edges, a cubit in length, and he wore it under his clothing on his right thigh. He offered the tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Now Eglon was a very fat man. When Ehud had finished offering the tribute, he sent away the people who carried the tribute. But he himself turned back from the stone idols that were by Gilgal and said, I have a secret message for you, O king. The king said, Keep silence. And all who were stood by him left. Ehud came to him, and he was sitting by himself alone in a cool upper room. Ehud said, I have a message from God to you. He arose out of his seat, he put out his left hand, and took the sword from his right thigh, and thrust it into his body. The handle also went in after the blade, and the fat closed on the blade, for he didn't draw the sword out of his body, and it came out behind. Then Ehud went out onto the perch and shut the doors of the upper room on him and locked them. After he had gone, his servants came and saw that the doors of the upper room were locked. They said, Surely he is covering his feet in the upper room. They waited until they were ashamed, and behold, he didn't open the doors of the upper room. Therefore they took the key and opened them, and behold, their lord had fallen down dead on the floor. Ehud escaped while they waited, passed beyond the stone idols, and escaped to Sirah. 
When he had come, he blew a trumpet in the hill country of Ephraim, and the children of Israel went down with him from the hill country, and he led them. He said to them, Follow me, for Yahweh has delivered your enemies, the Moabites, into your hands. They followed him and took the fords of the Jordan against the Moabites and didn't allow any man to pass over. They struck at that time about 10,000 men of Moab, every strong man and every man of valor. No man escaped. So Moab was subdued that day under the hand of Israel, and then the land had rest for 80 years. After him was Shamgar, the son of Anath, who struck 600 men of the Philistines with an ox goad, and he also saved Israel. So in this chapter 3 of Judges, we've got the first three of the judges. And the first judge was Othniel, this is Caleb's brother, and Othniel um, delivered Israel from Cushan Rishathaim, a king. Now, uh, anyway, we don't really, it's, it's not a story where we know too much about it. Um, Kushan Rishathaim, the name means the twice bad Kushite. <laughs> Kushites are people from, uh, usually from Ethiopia, but for some reason this guy was from Mesopotamia. So the first judge is uh, Othniel, and he defeats Kushan Rishathaim, and the land has rest for 40 years. And that number 40, it's a significant number. We'll come back to that in a minute. The second judge is in the same chapter, is Ahud. Ahud defeats King Eglon of Moab, and the Bible says the land had rest for 80 years, two forties. And then the third judge is Shamgar. It doesn't really say anything about him there. He's just mentioned briefly in one sentence at the end. So in chapter three, we've got three judges. Now, Othniel, he is a picture of Christ uh, in one way. Othniel is someone that it's recorded that he gets himself a wife. You know, Caleb uh, was given the land of uh, Hebron and he wanted to attack a city called Kiriath Sepha. And he said, who's going to help me do it? He said, whoever attacks this city, I'm going to give my daughter to them as a wife. Well, Othniel, Caleb's brother, attacks the city. He takes it down and he gets given a wife. So it's a picture of what Jesus does. Jesus comes into the world, which is controlled by the devil, and he defeats the power of devil and he gets for himself a wife. And guess who's the wife? <laughs> it's us, the body of Christ. So that's a, Othniel is a picture of Jesus right there. And the second, the second judge in this passage is Ahud, and he's a far more interesting picture of Jesus than Othniel. And um, now it's said that Othniel, uh, that uh, Ahud was a left-handed man. It's, it's amazing how many times in the Bible that it mentions someone from the tribe of Benjamin as being left-handed. And then it says that he made himself a short double-edged sword, you know, about a foot long, about a cubit long it said, and he put it on his right thigh. So this guy's left-handed. I know you're looking at me back to front, but this is my left hand. And, but his right thigh's over here. So it's, it's not very practical to put a little sword on the opposite side of where you would normally have it. But that's actually a part of the strategy. Now in the Hebrew language, which I'm not, I'm not savvy with the Hebrew, I just read what people who are have said. It actually doesn't say he's a right-handed man. What it actually says is that his right hand was impaired, and in other words, he was disabled somehow. He couldn't use his right hand. So we're, we're told, I guess, that he was left-handed 
courtesy of the fact that he didn't use his right hand. So what we've got here is, is a man with a disability. Now he could have been disabled because of, of a war injury or we don't know what happened, but we just know he's left-handed, but it's not left-handed because he's left-handed from birth. He's normal, he would have been right-handed, but his right hand has been disabled. So he comes to the King Eglon, who's apparently a very fat man, and he's bringing tribute. So tribute is, you know, it's the taxes and it's the, it's, it's, you know, basically Eglon required them to bring this money every year, you know, these gifts and whatever, otherwise he was going to attack them. But he would let them live as long as they brought this tribute. So Ehud's the messenger, he's got people with him who are the carriers of the tribute. He comes in and he presents himself before the king as a disabled man. And then he gives the tribute and he sends, says to all the people who brought the tribute, you can leave now. So he sends the tribute carriers away and then he has a secret message for the king. So King Eglon, is at, he, he's not thinking anything sus, is suspicious here because he doesn't see any weapon. Normally you'd have a weapon right there near where your hand is, that, but you know he's disabled, his hand's not usable, and his left hand, which is his good hand, there's no weapon there on that side. He's not trying to, to keep the tribute. He sent away the people with the tribute, so it all looks very normal. He says, I have a message for you. So Eglon sends out his, his, you know, those people who weren't supposed to hear the message, and then, Eg, and then Ehud runs him through with a sword, and it says he was fat, and the fat closed over the handle of the blade. So that's quite a thrust. And then it says that uh, Ehud escaped and he shut the doors of the porch. Now, in a different version of the Bible, it says he escaped through the toilet. So there was a system there where I guess you could lower yourself down through a hole of some type and escape that way. Well, that's how he escaped. And in the version we were reading, um, the king's servants didn't come in for a while because they said, perhaps he's covering his feet. But if you read it in a different version, it would say he might be in the toilet. So they didn't want to go in and disturb him. They thought he might have been relieving himself. And that expression, covering his feet, was a figure of speech that meant to go to the toilet. And uh, I, was, I was trying to personally understand how that could mean that. And uh, I haven't read anything which, which, which explains it. Um, but I guess, you know, possibly if you drop your clothes, you could be covering your feet, I'm guessing. Uh, but maybe someone wants to look that up. And so eventually they they realize he's taking a long time and they go in and he's dead. And then at that point, you know, Ehud goes back, he rounds up an army, they come to the fords of the Jordan and as the Moabites are trying to escape, they're killing them, they kill 10,000 of them. And they, um, they end up putting an end to that and then there's peace in the land for 80 years. That's two lots of 40. And the third judge is Shamgar. So we've got these two pictures of uh, of of Jesus. Now the first one I mentioned was Othniel who, who defeats the enemy and takes himself a bride just like Jesus does. But how exactly is Ehud a picture of Christ? Well, Jesus came into this world in a weakened state. And Ehud, he went into to his enemy, he stood before his enemy in a weakened state. But in a weakened state, he defeated his enemy. Jesus came into this world, even though he was fully God, he, uh, he took on the, the form of a man, of a person, and you know how weak and how low we are, 
And in that weakened state, when the enemy was not suspecting, he completely destroyed the power of the devil. He stripped him of all his power. It's incredible. And that's a picture of Christ right there. Both of these judges are a picture of what Jesus does to the enemy. Othniel destroys the enemy and takes for himself a wife, the body of Christ. And Ahud is a picture of Jesus coming in his weakened state as a human being. And when the enemy is unsuspecting, completely destroys his power. I want to finish by talking about these periods of 40. Now we've often thought, you've probably thought, I know I have, that when life is going along well, then great. But when life is difficult, you've often thought, oh, that's a test. You know, we've often associated the difficulty with a test. And, um, but here in the book of Judges, it's when things are going well that there's a test. So sometimes it's the other way around. The testing is not during the time of difficulty because it's during the time of difficulty that people cry out to the Lord and ask for help. But it's when there's no difficulty, that's when their, their, their attitudes and their hearts are being tested. And we see that in the number 40. So the number 40 is a biblical number which means testing. And so, for example, Jesus, he went into the desert for 40 days of temptation or 40 days of testing. Jesus went through a 40. And, of course, he came out the other side, you know, passing the test. The Israelites, they were in the desert for 40 years, the 40 years of hardship, the 40 years of wilderness, the 40 years of testing. And so what we've got here is every time there's peace in the land, it says it five times uh, as we go through the book of Judges. It says there was peace, 40 years. There was peace, 80 years, that's two 40s. And then twice more, it says there was peace for 40 years. And it's basically saying that every time there's peace, they're being tested. So God delivers them, and then he wants to see, are you going to follow me? They don't. They fail the test. So then there's oppression again. Then God delivers them, another 40, another test. Are you going to follow me? And so when you're in your own life and things are going well, don't think you can relax, <laughs> even though it's nice to relax. Don't think that now's the time to relax and just rest and enjoy life and do whatever. No, it's you're actually being tested when things are going well too to see if you'll maintain your fervor and your love for Christ. Because it's easy to maintain you know, prayer when you've got real needs and you, you, you've got to call out to him to get through. But it's when you get through, do you keep following him? That's when the test really comes. So Lord, we've met the first three judges and they show us a picture of you. You're our judge. You're our deliverer. You're the one that set us free from oppression. But I pray now, Lord, you'd help us. Help us, Lord, not only when things are going, um, diff you know, when things are difficult, but Lord, help us when things are good too. Help us to pass the test. Help us to follow you and to maintain our love and vigor, even when it's, Lord, it, there's nothing that drives us to you. But Lord, let our hearts be so changed that we love the Lord our God. In Jesus' name, amen.